This is Space Waffles. This fixation with Kenobi. A Star Wars podcast. Welcome to This Fixation with Kenobi, our Obi-Wan Kenobi recap show. I'm Arzu, and with me are Candace. Hello there. Maggie. Hello there. Norhal. Hello there. Sarah. Hello there. <laughs> and Katrina. Hello there. General Kenobi. I'm sorry, we let it sit too long. Yes. I couldn't I couldn't have the call and no response. So um, we're here today to talk about part three of Kenobi. Um, I really wish these episodes had titles because it just feels weird to say part three and then move on. But uh, yeah, so part three, Obi-Wan and Leia have made it to the mining system of Mapuzo. They are supposed to meet somebody who's going to help them get back to Alderaan. And then the shit hits the fan. So... As we did last time, we are going to kind of go through this episode in chunks, talking about sort of various character relationships and how that informs the plot. And then we'll wrap things up with talking about where where Obi-Wan's at mentally. So let's kick things off with one of the subtler, smaller relationships that kind of starts the episode following the reveal that Anakin is in fact still alive. And this is Qui-Gon by himself meditating and trying to talk. Did I say Qui-Gon? I meant Obi-Wan. You did. Obi-Wan trying yeah. to talk to Qui-Gon. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Obi-Wan is trying to talk to Qui-Gon. I did not reveal a huge plot twist. So let's start there. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's not picking up that call. Yeah. He's seeing what's happening. He's like, no, thank you. He's just chilling. Like, Write me out of this narrative. He's like, I'm so sorry. I was actually out of signal range. You know, and Obi-Wan would go on to do the same. He would be very choosy about when he responded when it came to Luke. Sometimes he would leave him on red in the desert. So, you know. Yeah, he Cloud City. He's calling out to him. And Ben's like, mm, nah, no, thank you. Yeah. Catching I up feel with like, Qui-Gon, sorry. sorry. I feel like Qui-Gon Jen's just like, you'll figure it out on your own. You have it within you. I'll come when you need me. For real. <laughs> I Yeah, I agree. I feel like he's kind of leaving him sort of on purpose. I think we all know that like this... For those that know, um, there is a short story in one of the From a Certain Point of View books that does talk about sort of them, how yeah. how that communication then started happening down the line. So we know that Obi-Wan does talk to Qui-Gon eventually. But at this point, I think Qui-Gon's like, yeah, you need to figure yourself out. You need to figure this out on your own. Like, it's a lesson from beyond. But it just breaks my heart the way... The way Obi-Wan says Master Qui-Gon, the way he ends by going, he's coming, like, he sounds so small. Like this, this, you know, they keep calling him an old man. He's like in his 40s. But like this, this middle-aged man just sounds so young and so scared. And it just breaks my heart. I know. Yes. I just love that. I'm so glad you bring that up because like those lines sound like he is Padawan Obi-Wan, like in those moments gasping after Qui-Gon has died like that's that that's what that harkened back to to for me so he sounded like you said so young and so like inexperienced and I think that like Qui-Gon's lack of communication isn't like even you know even is intentional it's it's the intent of the force first and foremost when mm-hmm. it comes to force mm-hmm. connections between like ghosts and people if the force feels Obi-Wan needs to talk to Qui-Gon it'll happen and uh and right now i guess that's it's not it's not time it's still in his hands 
Yeah, I think if uh, if it did connect them now, he would rely too heavily on Qui Gon to fix the problem. Yes, and mm. then we don't get charming moments like he has with Leia immediately after. Oh yes, yeah. So oh, yes. there are so many beats to Obi Wan and Leia in in this episode. Like, it's hard to talk about it as like one interaction because it's such a like it evolves over the course of forty minutes. So this first conversation that they have on the ship, I think is when all of us have like reflected on, we've all talked about it, but Leia's sort of approaching him to ask him what the force feels like. Yes, but first, right right before, he's repairing Lola for Leia, mm -hmm. which I felt obviously he's, he's lost, he's kind of lost without hearing back from Qui-Gon, but he's, it gave me glimpses sort of Anakin. He was trying to pick something in order to endure what was going on. So uh, it, that that was cute that he was trying to, okay, doing something for Leia, but then it came down to this uh, conversation about the questions of what Leia said. That was, that was a really, really cute moment. It just shows him like realizing, oh yeah, she's a child. Like children need these kind of comfort things like their favorite droid or favorite toy. And it's just him like coming back to humanity in a way because he's been on his own for so long. I think he's forgotten mm -hmm. things like that. And probably reminds him a lot of little Anakin. I think it's a really great. Oh, go on. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I think it's a really great connection that you make, uh, Norhal, between like Anakin building 3PO to kind of endure his situation and also Obi-Wan repairing Lola for Leia. It's, it's a subtle connection, but it's one of those ones where you're like, oh, wait. They're both going through really hard times right now. This is both a complicated situation for them and a really complicated and scary situation for Leia specifically. Um, and he's doing something that he can do to help her to ease her mind. Um, so that's like a really great point that I just hadn't thought of before. I think something else that this conversation kind of landed on with me was that uh, this is kind of Obi-Wan's visual way of showing that like, Leia is as important as Luke to him because he went to all that trouble to get that toy for Luke before. And so mm. making sure that Leia also has her comfort item is, is just as important to him. And like, it just makes me think of the, you know, what Bale said to him where it's like, she's just as important as him. So exactly. Yes. Note. That hadn't occurred to me, but I really, I like, like, I like that. I like that the, the show, the characters are going kind of above and beyond to be like, yes. For all that Luke Skywalker is Luke Skywalker, she is just as important as he is. I like so. It's exactly what I needed to hear. Just like I'm like, I need to hear this yes. because I know the fandom needs to hear this. Yeah. And just yes. like being told it very explicitly is oh, it feels it's very nice. It's it's a good it's a good feeling. Uh, because as a big Leia fan, it's um really validating. <laughs> I agree. They say it and then they support they support it mm -hmm. kind of. Yes. So what what resonated with me, like sort of with the with the force conversation following this is I have not had an easy relationship with Leia as a force user. Um, not like same that she doesn't mm -hmm. at all, but that she yeah. felt the need to be an all out Jedi has not. Mm -hmm. I've not had the easiest relationship with that. But in my mind, prior to us finding all that out, I'd kind of thought that because she is force sensitive she likely applied it in more like interpersonal ways. Like, like we see in the show with like 
her intuition and like sort of like in an internal way rather than it manifesting like a quote unquote warrior. Mm-hmm. So kind of seeing little Leia take her first step into like curiosity, but what does the force feel like? And sort of, it's not something maybe she even realizes about herself, but it is something she's interested in exploring. I'm like, that's the Leia I thought I understood was like, yes. this is mm-hmm. something in my world. I should do my best to sort of understand what that is. But at, at the level of like a very intelligent 10 year old. And it makes me think of this as like, like you're saying, like the first time she's finally being like, oh, maybe I have the force because we saw in the previous episode how she influenced her cousin a little bit there to get inside his mind and figure out that little thing there and those subtle ways that it manifests when you're a child. And I think it, it just continues to really form that connection that we never saw between her and Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. that is I mean in retrospect there's definitely threads that they're pulling at that were left hanging in A New Hope and they're really just kind of like connecting all of the things together so nicely yeah. I was resisting to bring up Ben Solo I'm sorry I was like I'm not <laughs> gonna do it <laughs> and then I just... revolves around Ben Solo okay I mean, we've been been saying, and it's in the comic, it's in the Charles Soule comic that he's named after Ben Kenobi and like, it never made sense why. The why of it didn't really connect until this. I love that this gives Leia so much more agency in a way uh, over her motherhood, I think, with Ben. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, like her, every choice with him is her own. And it also affects, I, I know, Arza, you're not a fan of Jedi Leia, but the build of her lightsaber, this is something I noticed a little while ago. Um, people would say like, oh, it's inspired by Luke a lot. Like she, people would say like, oh, Luke probably had her name in bed or suggested it. But now that it's like Leia's the first one who's ever, of the two of them who had ever seen Obi-Wan's lightsaber, I feel like that choice was hers specifically where it was like, well, you, you know, Obi-Wan was your master and like in many ways, like he was my mentor as well. So I'm going to have this cap piece that he used and I'm going to use this silhouette that kind of harkens to what he was. So I really I like should, I should say for the record, I don't <laughs> like the way it was executed, Jedi mm-hmm. Leia, but I love Leia's lightsaber. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I it's love her lightsaber. lightsaber. It's gorgeous. It's just, and I don't even mind Je- Jedi Leia in theory. It's the execution I don't like. Yeah, yeah. And I the, the reason I bring it up is I love the way that her... Her lightsaber is like, it's inexplicably like a Leia lightsaber. Like nobody else would have built a lightsaber that looked like that. But that silhouette and those very like subtle ways that she calls back to Obi-Wan now like means so much more when you look at that lightsaber. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's one nice thing about telling a story out of order is you can pull on things that have happened, like that will happen in the future, but that have already been created to kind of fill them with more meaning in retrospect. This is why I love the books so much. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that. Yeah. And it's it's one of the things that I found so frustrating with a lot of what I consider to be like bad faith criticisms about the show. Cause they're like, oh my God, it's undoing everything that's in a new hope. But like, if you, if you go back and look at it, the, the dialogue that we get from Leia that centers around Kenobi and even the stuff that we get from Vader centering around how long it's been since the last time he saw him blah 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 none of it is undone by kenobi it's it's only strengthened and made better and that's honestly the best thing that you can 
hope for for a series that is a essentially a prequel to something that came before i mean star wars has historically been like hey how about we just you know make a prequel to the series that came out 20 years ago and then then we'll do like a sequel to the other series that came out like 40 years ago and it, it all works it all it's like poetry it rhymes it rhymes yeah <laughs> yeah i literally broke down the script from a new hope and was like where a lot of criticism was and I'm like, this is exactly what he says. And actually, I don't want to jump forward to something else. But from what we saw in the episode that we just saw, part five, it explains why Vader says, I was just a learner when I left you. Because we mm -hmm. see him acting like a Padawan, really. He's yeah. losing. So it just like, there was so much we... Well, no, they, other people, didn't give people credit for at working on this series. Like, they worked on this. They knew exactly what they were doing. There's so many things. Like, we'll see. We haven't talked about Tala yet, but, like, we see Leia. We see her. We see uh, Obi-Wan. We see everything in Leia's legacy. Like, mm -hmm. what Leia does in the next movies. Mm -hmm. we, this is, like... Leia's origin story almost like how she becomes a little rebel you know yeah. yeah so it's so powerful to see all that yeah and I think also one thing that Arsu mentioned in her review is the in that little moment where Leia show uh, asked uh, Obi-Wan and he starts talking about the force it was kind of beautiful to see because Obi-Wan has always been a good teacher and we sort of we haven't explored, at least in canon, uh, what what it was for Obi Wan to be a teacher to Anakin at that same around that same age. So uh, it it would be obviously yeah. There's some been some comics and such, but uh, it's beautiful and see to develop this report with his daughter, with mm -hmm. Leia. At a certain extent, of course, maybe he's she's not her student. But it's 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 a it's a nice moment to see. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the way that Obi-Wan like actually describes the force is so perfect. Um, one of my favorite things throughout the High Republic has been how we hear about how each Jedi has a different perspective on the Force and how they see it. So like Elzar sees it as an ocean, Avar sees it as a song. And um what's great about those things, um is that they're so tangible. Mm -hmm. You can envision that. And I think that this is the perfect way to describe the force so that everybody, even a 10-year-old, can visualize that, can understand that feeling, um, and really, like, for the viewer to connect just as much as the characters are connecting. And I think it's just pitch perfect. It also helps us understand, like, what Obi-Wan was feeling for the past 10 years because he cut himself off from the force. So yeah. we see mm -hmm. he's in darkness right now. And he's slowly getting the lights back on, but it's not quite oh, like yeah. a switch. It also, it makes literal when we talk about, you know, like Anakin Skywalker down line coming back to the light, Ben Solo coming back to the light. It makes all of that very literal, but not in like a, a way that I think cheapens it. It's if that's what the force feels like, then these are people who have switched the light off for years and have finally now turned it back on. So I think it's it's not only like Sarah was saying, like a perfect visual to give a 10-year-old and to give the audience, but it's 
like a perfect visual for the story as a whole like this this sense of a light that equals safety sort of thing all right so jumping ahead um still on still on obi-wan and leia but we're going to jump ahead a little bit to them getting to mapuzo they are looking for they are looking for their contact and obi-wan we're talking about him being such a great teacher for leia but obi-wan has no um patience for children oh no which as you know is relatable um I, like i love kids but like i get it um so the next big sort of character beat that these two have after they kind of lie their way onto the back of this truck driven by Zach Braff. Freck. 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 Yeah. Yes. They lie with Luma, Luma and Orden from yeah. Tall. The daughter who doesn't talk, but all of a sudden does. And um, the dad who suddenly doesn't talk at all. <laughs> so they, they lie their way onto the back of this truck and are joined by some stormtroopers who don't think anything of it until Obi-Wan blows their cover and Leia is too busy arguing with him to notice that he has blown their cover, which I adore. Um, and then he sort of, they have this conversation about her mom, which he's sort of lying, but not really. And then when the stormtroopers leave, they kind of have a lengthier conversation about this. So I feel like we all have thoughts on this conversation, so I'd like to talk about it. <laughs> oh, I yeah. don't think he lied. I think that's just from a certain point of view. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Is like it's like one yeah. of those like lies by omission. Like her mom's name was Leia is not true, but everything he was oh, saying yeah. about her mother is true. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like he's kind of yeah. talking around the truth. Yeah, I thought you meant he was lying to Leia. Um, no, Leia. no, 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 not at all. Like everything he was saying to Leia about he was like, lying to the stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. exactly okay. about the name. Yeah, like everything. Like I, when I look at her, I see her mother's face, and like it's been a hard time since she like left us. All of we, that is one hundred percent true. We miss her very much. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk this conversation. I feel like there's a wide range of feelings here. <laughs> Maybe not that wide, actually. But I think it's all just tears. That's yeah. I was like, are, okay, are you ready to just start crying? Let's, let's go. All just, <laughs> let's go for it. Let's start crying. This is actually a group therapy session. We forgot to mention that at the top of the episode. <laughs> oh yeah. I I know some people are like upset that like he's not naming her. Like Padme is not getting a name check. But I kind of understand why he's not because. If Leia goes down the path of knowing who her real mother is, she can find Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, it was like yeah. the worst kept secret, I think, really. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't find any of this out until she's much older. So, yeah. There's certain yeah. key canon points that I think they have to unfortunately observe. Um, and I think they're giving as much as they can without. Yeah. And, um, that remind me at a certain point when she's like, oh, do you know my real mother? And then I wish I had known my real father at 10, when she's 10. And then um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, where at Admiral Panaka, when she meets Admiral Panaka, she's asked about her uh, birth parents. She doesn't care. She's not like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, Bale and Brea are my parents. So, but she's 16 at that point. So it's, you see the shift like mm-hmm. going into this nurture mode, like yeah, I'm, they're they're my parents. I don't I don't mind I don't mind that much. But obviously at ten, when yeah, it's a lot of questions. 
enjoy Especially it. after her cousin is like, yeah, you're not a real Madonna. Yeah. So that would make you really be like, well, where do I come from? Because I think Bale and Brielle are being like really great parents. And oh, yes. Like Bale said, like, you are our daughter. Like, she is very much their daughter in all ways. But like, I think that's going through her head, especially after people are being very mean to little Leia. And I'd say that after she gets back home is where that shift occurs that we see when she's 16, because that the homecoming aspect of it and being welcomed back. And I'm mm. betting that her cousin's feelings will have been transformed by that point after all of this and like the stress of it on the family. I feel like she'll be welcomed back in a different way that will shift how she views her parentage and not care as much i mean she cares but not to the same extent as she grows up yeah the way she asked obi-wan are you my real my Aww. real father and i was like look <laughs> i wish i could i was i mean uh, who was comforting him Come that on. whole scene just like everything about it just both on my logical on the logical side of my brain and the completely <laughs> illogical side of same. my same yeah, like <laughs> I was just fed left and right. Like I, my, yeah, my feelings were fed. My Obi yes. like, yes, yes. Oh, can we like, oh can we talk about that? Is that allowed? Yes. Yeah. hundred yes. percent. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just a little disclaimer. This is going to be irrational fangirling. We all know there's, there's nothing irrational about it. I, I mean, this has been something I've been on board yeah, for I mean, since like that was nine, like 20 years yeah, ago. So. It's like how she looked at Anakin when Obi-Wan was there. Exactly. I Here's the thing. And like, I just, it's always and, Obi-Wan for me. <laughs> and like, he obviously has a type and I'm just saying Padme very much has the similar vibes as Satine in terms of being strong-willed leaders that, Okay, I'll, I'll say that for Waffles After for Dark. Wa- after dark. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say. You are in charge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, months ago, wrote an Obidala fanfic so for good. fun. Threw yes. it up on AO3. Didn't think much of it. Like, people would find it, they'd like, like, periodically. I have awesome. woken up to an email from AO3 every day since this episode aired with a kudos on it. Because <gasps> glorious because Since our this episode glorious. our crops have been watered and our there was a drought clear. 20 it's year drought it feels like it's 2002 again it does. whatever year yeah. it was like I feel on my journal time i talk about this show it just <laughs> my like not to to complain about people saying silly things on twitter but i was laughing when i kept seeing like literal teenagers complaining about people shipping obidala and i'm like excuse you you were not even born when the ship was founded so go away like 1999 baby yeah okay i it was one of my first star wars ships like that that was like they were the closest in age it made no sense to me to ship her with the little child like exactly. like obviously there, she's gonna go for the older guy she's 14. there are amazing fanfics on fanfiction.net from 1999 like do not speak of the old magic to me <laughs> exactly i grew up with that we we all grew up with that era we were reading them writing them and i'm i you know like as someone who doesn't have a lot of canon ships this was great like this was the honestly the best we could get. So 
It just yeah. it reminds me of like live journal the ship wars like this and also the Harry Hermione and Harry and Ron. Like it was right up there with that. Like uh, oh, fan forum. My favorite thing from the trenches of the ship wars on this podcast. <laughs> my my favorite thing was when I got old enough that I was like, Pat May has two hands. Like yeah. she can have both of them. That's a thruple I'd be very much into. <laughs> like the whole way around in that thruple. Okay. On a non-shipper view, you can also see, obviously, he's like, oh, my God, like, your father murdered a bunch of kids. <laughs> I wish I could tell you anything yeah, else. That's the literal interpretation yeah, of what like, he's yeah. saying. Yeah. And I think, like, there's a lot. Uh, I, I would say that there are layers to that where it's like, you know, uh, Obi-Wan looking at Leia and, and thinking, like, if I had a child, like, this mm-hmm. is 100%, like, that's what I want her to be. Which I mean, he does. Corky Kenobi canon. Yeah. Yes. Right. At least one. So. And also on like a whole another level, like if he quote unquote, if he were the father, in his mind, he would also be thinking like Padme wouldn't be dead. None of this would happen. Anakin wouldn't have fallen to the dark side. Like there's yeah. so many things yeah. that like if things were, we could just switch our places. A little running up that hill reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the meaning that came to mind before the fanfic side of my brain kicked in and went into overdrive was like him telling o- her like Obi Drive Obi hey. Drive yeah I like this was um like him going I wish I could say I was your father is because he's just now realizing Anakin is still alive and mm. remembering everything Anakin did right before mm-hmm. he died and it's not just this is what he did but you don't deserve to hear that that's your father like. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could say I was your dad because that's an easier answer. Also, knowing that Vader is after him and he's with his daughter mm-hmm. and yes. the things that he doesn't know what Vader would do to his, his daughter. Yeah. Like, and yeah. he's like, if, if she was Obi-Wan's daughter, he's like, then he might not care. But because mm-hmm. you're his daughter, maybe if he finds out, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I also just think like what comes to mind throughout this story for me with him saying something like this is that he is just somebody who wants to be able to care for others and do it mm-hmm. right. Um, like he was saddled with such a responsibility from Qui-Gon to, you know, raise Anakin to train him. And he was young too. And he tried to figure it out. And ultimately uh, things went wrong. And now he's spent the past 10 years with Luke and Owen has stopped him at every turn um, because, you know, he's in Owen's care and not in Obi-Wan's care. And even though Obi-Wan wants to be there for him, Owen is, you know, building a wall and saying, no, this is where we're drawing boundaries in this sort of family and what we're doing here. Um, and like, you're a threat to his safety. Um, and all he wants to do is care for him, as we see in the first episode. And then I think when he, as he gets to know Leia here, all he wants to do is to be able to like care for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to like, move too far ahead and like we were talking about obi shipping and obitala is also a very valid ship thank you for coming to my ted talk yes yes obitala we will be talking obitala because i've got some obitala feeling we just oh yes there was just an interview that um it indira did and like said that it was originally she was originally supposed to be a love interest yeah obitala thank you which i'm like i don't think you stopped being a love interest no like like they were gonna follow through on it I know, but I'm like, mm, yeah, but also that just... When when we get to Tala, I do have some feelings about this love interest thing. But the last thing I want to say on this note, 
is that I agree with Sarah in that Obi-Wan is definitely somebody looking for someone to care for. Because yes. I think at this point, it's been 20 some years since since he started training Anakin. And I don't think he knows how to do anything else. Yeah. 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 And, and especially considering that when he left Mustafar and he, he felt Anakin was dead. And maybe the feeling, okay, is dead, is better that Lee be a living weapon for a dark side. But then he was, his attention was, okay, I'm going to take care of Padme. He's going to, she's going to give birth, but then she dies. So it's a loss that um, that's eating at him. And yeah. And especially when he can, like you just said, you're going to take care of the kids in the way of training them or yeah. Yeah, his his care transfers from Anakin to Padme to the children. Yeah. His focus has always been Skywalker he's, somewhere. His you focus know, is always somebody else. It's never on himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a Nature. giver. Oh, I mean, listen, no, that's for After Dark. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So Arson. jumping ahead past this, let's talk Tala. So Tala, our Imperial undercover badass spy, played by the fantastic Indira Varma, shows up. I was very relieved because the only clip we had seen of her prior to the episode, like in the trailer, was her in uniform kind of marching off the truck. And I'm like, here we go. She's another villain. And then she immediately shoots all the stormtroopers and tells Obi-Wan, let's go. I got you. So we learn that she is working with something called the PATH, which functions to get... Um, for sensitive families to not safety. to be confused with the paths from the high republic yeah although for light and life is on the wall in the bunker so is Just it related? I was I like, alive, yes we know we we know who's running the paths it's the nile so like martian rose save the jedi you're welcome um so <laughs> i'm so glad i was like i'm gonna okay. lay these I'm gonna <laughs> i literally oh was gosh. like i'm gonna make these points and then let ours you connect the dots so what I'm trying to say is Marcian Rose the real hero here? No. So um No, we're backing it up. Um Tala working for the path. So she is working to get force sensitive Jedi to safety and obviously she has some kind of pre-existing knowledge of Obi-Wan. Just based on the like line I can't imagine Obi-Wan Kenobi doing anything wrong. Like she does know who this hero of the Republic is and we've talked about it before him being the war hero in all the hollow net videos and and stuff so let's talk tala candace i know you have a lot of feelings you want to kick us off uh just like how i was crying because it's someone with my the same heritage as me actually on screen and just you know feeling seen in the star wars universe because before i felt like i only had sabine because she was played by tia but having someone actually in live action it's so different it's so amazing and yeah, it's just me crying over this and Miss Marvel for the past few weeks. Like, Aww. just so like for you. I'm so happy for kids today. It's because a nice feeling. It's like when I was younger, I would look and see Deepa in the background, and I'd be like, "She's still Jedi. Indian people can be Jedi." But like, you know, we didn't get her talking until last year. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I'm tearing up now. Okay, but anyway, I love that she. Tala just like she has this backstory and it's similar to a lot of um, rebels we find out that were imperials at one point mm-hmm. like heck um, Biggs was Callus, Sabine they were all imperials and it's like 
people finding out they're on the wrong side and making the change. And yeah, I love how I like the little relationship between Tala and Leia too. I we don't mm-hmm. have that like listed, but like I know. She yeah, I'm asked, sorry. My list making was very Obi-Wan focused, but we can absolutely talk Tala and Leia. Well, you see like in the background, like Leia giving her hugs and things like that. And it's super cute. And just like Tala, like having a lot of guilt about the people that got hurt because of her, even though it's yeah. indirectly. And, and and like you said, it's, it's, it's nice to see, uh, well, we've seen all these characters that are in the rebellion, but were part of the, the empire because they thought it was something better it was something good from their perspective from a certain point of view yeah but they believe the propaganda exactly mm-hmm. it's like oh okay yeah there's some order there's some it's okay they're gonna establish some order but then they found out what it was really what was the truth about the empire and there it's a way to make up for past mistakes when they could not do anything but um like when Leia's like, Leia and Tala talk about pretending and about how it's hard and stuff like that. And I just thought instantly of A New Hope where Leia is lying to Vader. Being straight up like, no, I'm on a diplomatic mission. There's what droid? What plants? You know, kind of thing. You're a rebel? You're a rebel in a part of a rebellion. Put the way. So it's just, again, like I was saying, Leia's legacy. Like these characters are so important too who Leia becomes. And that just makes me very emotional. Agreed. I, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, mine's really quick. I personally love Tala because for very personal reasons, because she has the same name as my maternal grandmother on my dad's side. Um, so I was really excited when they announced her name and I love Adira and um, it's really great to see her in Star Wars where, you know, that Game of Thrones thread continues to connect throughout everything. Um, and I, I mean, like, even like, okay, I, I ship Obi Tala because I ship Obi Wan with literally anyone that like mm. isn't like too out of my uh, my range. Um, but but like, I I just love like that dynamic of like the moment she knows who he is, it's like we're an immediate team. Like they immediately knew how to work together, um, and that that cause that drove them. I think was part of what like held them together so quickly and so easily. So I love their dynamic and they're like, they're, they, they, they're very much like a one issue kind of deal for me because they both have like the same means to an end, like the same focus that's very personal for them, which is getting Leia home. Um, and yeah. that becomes Tala's focus all of a sudden when she meets everyone. So I like, I love the way that that immediately clicked with them and there was no, like you didn't have you there was no setup that we needed to like believe that like they were gonna be a great team. Also, just like a thing, it's like seeing like an older woman also. Yes. Like, if mm-hmm. you think about it, like other Thank than you. like Leia in the sequels, we don't really see that. Heck, even in the Rebels, like Harris in her twenties. You know, Is like she actually. Yeah. She's she's like ten years older than Ezra. Oh my gosh, she reads like in her thirties. I know yeah, because because she's got the mama mama bear energy to right. her, but yeah. she's literally in her twenties. I think Kanan's like late twenties, late twenties. I small. can't it's handle just... this revelation personally. You didn't know that? I know. I had never <laughs> thought about that. Not once yeah. in my life. <laughs> yeah, Hera was younger. Yeah. Right, bad batch. 
Maggie, you were saying something. I was going to make a connection of Ben Solo again. I'm do sorry. it. Yes, okay, do okay. it. You know this is I, the place to do that. I know do it is. I was going to save this for just yelling in Arzu's DMs later, but this seems this seems right because we're talking about like Tala and how she, you know, she's worked for the Empire and now she's like come to the light, so to speak, and she's helping and trying to make amends for the things that she's done and been personally like responsible for. And it made me think about like Leia seeing this very early on and we jumping ahead to like episodes that we've seen, we see that Leia very much cared for Tala in the short period of time that they were together and seeing somebody who can go to like a, a, a dark part of this history and come back and to make amends, it adds more to Leia's unwavering belief that Ben was going to come back mm -hmm. to the light. And I'm going to cry thinking about that, but just like oh, seeing yeah. these things that she actually gets to experience very early on in her life and how that sets her like reactions to these situations. Like, okay, you can do bad things. You can do these like things that are deemed as like unforgivable, but you can still come back. And it feeds into like how much I love things like the alphabet squadron and restorative justice and all alphabet of these ideas squadron. that like, yes, like you can do these things recognized and hope that people will come back and meeting them with kindness. And it hurts me a little bit more and it made me cry this morning when I was You're thinking bring up pencil. I'm definitely going to bring up callus again, because like this, echoes it the so same thing, yeah. well and i really love callus's spoiler alert he lives you know like yes <laughs> actually getting one of those redemptions doesn't equal death kind of yes. things and we'll talk more about tala later on um, just but one thing before we completely move away from this back to the ben solo thing is <laughs> she uses no it's just one thing is that the line leia uses when ben has run off and tala's trying to take her is the exact same thing she says to han which is bring him back Yep. Yeah. That was, that was what like, broke me this morning. Cause I was, line. I was thinking it's about it and I was like the way that these writers are like designing this show to just emotionally wreck me on so many levels. Like all oh, they yeah. need to do is like mention Satine and I will not be able to record for the fifth episode <laughs> or the, the sixth episode. Cause I will be. I mean, DOA. technically every time someone calls him Ben, that's a Satine mention. Oh, yeah. you know, it is indeed. Yeah, so it's but I like my new it's thank my Mike Chen for bringing that back yeah, into thank canon. You, Mike. <laughs> but for another thing, okay, now. again, you guys always bring it back to Ben Solo. I'm bringing it back to Rebels. Do it. <laughs> Obi Wan tells her, "I'll be right behind you," which is again just a lie. Jedi tell their kids in their care because he said the exact same thing Ouch. to Ezra and also in the canon comics. Depa yeah. says that to him. Depa said that. Yep. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know why all of the Jedi say that. Like, are they taught like never let your charge think you're not coming back? <laughs> like, what is? I need somebody to dive into like why this seems to be a common thread for all of the Jedi because it hurts me. <laughs> That's probably honestly what it is though, because if they tell the kid just go, the kid's not going to know where they are. If they're like, I'm right behind you, then they know the kid's going to keep going. Yeah, because the Jedi go. because they they have that hope, they have that belief that their master's right behind them. Yeah, because so the Jedi kids aren't gonna leave their masters because they're Jedi. You yeah, know, they're like, well, we're Jedi too. Like we see that in the High Republic, where yeah. the Padawans and the kids who are like just knighted are like, well, we're like we're just as Jedi as you are, and they don't leave. So if they're like, no, we're right behind you, just go, then they'll go. 
we could also have a whole conversation about how they were taken from their parents as you small youth and this is their only parental figure yeah. and there's perhaps are like abandonment issues <laughs> I mean, you've seen it Ezra definitely has it just because of what he went through and yeah you know can i sarah brought it up so can i just talk for a second about obi-wan telling leia about his own family Oh, yeah. as somebody who's yes. currently reading Jedi Apprentice, I had a meltdown because in one of the earlier books, he is vaguely remembering like having gone home once because I guess pre the Disney acquisition in Jedi canon, I guess they could test their resolve to stay in the temple by going home and being like, do you want to come back? So I don't I know mean, what that's it was. how Dooku but, became a count or something. But he wasn't supposed <laughs> to go back. But he just went back. He said, you know, I'm done. But with Obi-Wan, he was like like, younger and he had gone home and his recollections of home in that book are very similar to his recollections in the show. Like snatches of like images of his parents and then like a younger brother. Except in the books, his brother's name is Owen because of that connection to like Owen Lars was supposed to be Obi-Wan's brother in the original like Return of the Jedi. But okay, the fact that they brought that, like the Jedi apprentice backstory back into canon just very personally exciting so i just wanted to shout that out again these these writers producer they do their research they yep. know the another stuff tie and- to brotherhood with those jedi academy academy books was the mention of siri Ch- siri tachi back in a canon yeah. again i loved yes. it do and i have to go oh my god that's like, right she's like in, she's right at the beginning she's just like mm-hmm. showing up with uh her her padawan um, oh my god well, I'm really excited uh, for that because again you know me my fandom bicycle is Obi-Wan and so it's just like incredible Obi-Wan and Siri like at where I'm at in the series right now I'm looking I'm just saying like anyway um, okay another relationship that. just really quickly talk about is Leia and Vader and again this just makes bloodlines so much Mm -hmm. much more yes yeah so so much much more more to it because this is the first time she's seeing him and he's just killing people yeah he killed an underaged person in that episode like the i think that was the youngest disney would allow them i know probably yeah because i was like i about 16 years old right all the hair on my like on my neck stood up the first time that happened yeah. Can I just say spoilers for episode five? But it was during the scene when he is laying waste to those villagers that Riva is like noticeably unnerved mm-hmm. uh, and and masking it decently well, but enough that like audiences can see what's going on. And that's when I was like, "Yep, hundred percent. She is trying to get close to Vader to do something." I was like, "There's something going on here." And now with that, like knowing what happens, it's like it's very obvious that she's having like a reaction to what she witnessed as a child. Wait, yeah. that was episode five? No, like her reaction in episode three, if you now know Oh, gotcha. Episode like, five, yeah. yeah. That's why it's like spoilers for episode five. Like gotcha, gotcha. Like, okay. I was like, wait, wait. I was like, did I miss something in episode five? I need no, to- no, I was no. just fl- I was fangirling since the beginning of that thing, you know. We'll, we'll talk about episode five when we get to episode five. Yes. Yeah. But yes. Yes. Feelings. Um, final thing about Tala, because I did say we'd come back to it, is her being conceived as a love interest and now no longer sort of being an explicit love interest because we can ship it whether or not they say it. Um, yeah, Jair said that was her actor's secret or let's like, like her pl- 
Like she that's how she's playing that way. Nobody can tell you not to. Exactly. exactly. And the thing right. is, what I love is like there. It's a partnership. She has agency. She brings something to the table, kind of thing. And you know, I my what makes me sad about this not panning out. Um, like I, I'm I'm torn. I'm glad it didn't happen because I don't want this to be Satine 2.0. Yeah. In you know, in retrospect, but what makes me sad is. In media in general, romance is seen as like a weakening thing, especially for mm-hmm. female characters. It like it makes their arc weaker, apparently. One. Two, women of color are very rarely the object of desire in like media that is not about that. And I think Unless it's less it's a fetish. Mm, yeah, like at, like on, on equal footing. Real. No, but you're right. And I think it's like this was sort of perfectly teed up to go against that, and then it didn't. And I think that's a shame. But you know, this is not something that happened in the episode. This is like a what could have been. But anyway, that's my two cents on that. Anyway, it would have ended badly, and we all knew. Yeah, it. which is partially why I'm I'm maybe relieved they didn't go there because, but could have been. They could have been BFFs at least. They were they were going to be BFFs. <laughs> well, if she was going to live, then they could have. Anyway, sorry. No. Go ahead, Sarah. No, 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 no. This just kind of it's the it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like oh you said something it was like oh it was the she could have lived it was. Mm. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Why did we look? Okay. Why when we saw the new character lineup and who they were playing. Why were we immediately, as a fandom, like, mm, Tala and Riva, goners? Yeah. Yeah, that, that tells you something. And, and didn't necessarily... We're, we're used to women dying to advance the plot of a man. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's, it's just, and I mean, also, I know... The, I, I call it Rogue One Syndrome, too, because I found that whenever there's a really diverse cast, it's it's usually the diverse characters that are all going to be killed off by the end, unfortunately. Because in the original trilogy, is so white. It's very white. <laughs> so all the all the white characters have plot armor. Okay. I'm just very happy there's like two Southeast Asians in the show and they're like not related. <sighs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> like, and these are new characters. It's an absurd thing, but I'm have, very happy. Who have strong backstories too? Like, yeah, they I have names. Watch, I could yes. watch a whole show of each of them. Names, you know, of, of the adventures of Haya doing his con thing and Tala, how she got to the Empire. Yeah, give them. But that's to the me. thing. I think the reason they ha- Tala's story had to end was because she was getting too close to Obi Wan, and it wouldn't make sense. It's also maybe like, I don't want to say lazy writing. It's like time constricting writing. Like, what else yeah. can we do? Just yeah. like Rogue One, it's like, well, they weren't there, even though like Hera isn't in the original trilogy, and she's Ahsoka. Ahsoka is just chilling. My, my thing is, I think they Rex. forget sometimes how big the galaxy is. Yeah, because we keep bumping mm-hmm. into the same ten people. So. Yeah. Like, you forget that just be like if Tala were alive during the events of the original trilogy, she could have just been elsewhere. 
Exactly. Yeah. They could like it. That doesn't have to be the answer. Just the way, like, like the way Hera was elsewhere. Like the yeah, crew she could have been still working in the path elsewhere. But mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's just this is the ending that I think is most conventional. It's what people are used to, so it doesn't. And I'm not saying that either of these are poorly written. They're not. But it's just, it, it's the easiest way to do it without contorting yourself into like a can pretzel. So it's I think just, that's why it's done. I know I should expect more. It's just hard to complain when we're getting well-written people of color. And you're thinking about it and it's like every new character is, you know, after watching a series that is so freaking white as a child yeah. getting this it's just I just like again tearing up again alright so why don't we jump then unless we have anything else to say about Tala she's, she's awesome. amazing yes <laughs> she's awesome. jinx Sarah <laughs> I want the book I want the, the, the side series whatever we can get more in Dear Varma as Tala I want I, it I, I already pre-ordered my Funko Pop so we are going to jump ahead. We are going to talk about the precursor to the, I can't remember what they're calling it, the showdown of the century. That's not what they're calling it. Uh, showdown, rematch. rematch of the century. Rematch of the, the century. century. Our precursor to the Anakin, Anakin Obi-Wan, the Vader-Obi-Wan duel that we're getting next week um, as of recording. But, oh no, I guess as of when you're all listening to this, tomorrow is the rematch of the century. But, you all are so lucky. You're so close to it. Yeah. But Gosh. So, Vader and Obi-Wan see each other again for the first time in 10 years in this episode. Yes. And it hurts. It hurts yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, shameless plug, but Katrina and I broke down this duel in Ooh. a fight club far, far away. Also on the Geeky Waffle in the Network. In notes below. Indeed. I'm pointing like anybody can see what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> emotional fight, like from top to bottom, from the acting to the choreography to the yes. the beats and the music, like everything about this fight was like what we anticipated. But like, I guess it's not, you know, I, people were frustrated with it not being like the showdown of the century. But I thought story wise, this is great. It was, I'm thankful that they're, meeting before their actual showdown you know mm -hmm. yes like because obi-wan needed to see for himself like what vader had become yeah and it makes a lot of sense what he told uh luke in return of the jedi he's more machine than man also yeah, yeah that he knows that and yeah. also that he's not shocked to see what vader looks like in yeah a new yeah yeah and you like, have to we get the shock here you know yeah, you kind of have to set up the emotional stakes for Obi-Wan. Like, because mm -hmm. we're really aware of what the stakes are. We're, I mean, we've seen Vader plenty of times before, but like, we as an audience need to understand where Obi-Wan is at when he understands how much things have changed in the past decade for Anakin, now Vader. Yes. Just the way, like, he like almost blacks out when he sees Vader for the first time or since it's him. All the it's anger just, and pain. Yeah. It's very Not similar to how ah Ahsoka, when she reaches out to him, that same feeling. Like those are the two, two people other than Padme who love him the most. Yes. And just, yeah. Not to, not to drag it kicking and screaming back to the high Republic, but um, 
when he nearly blacked out when Vader started causing chaos, did anybody else think of the nameless and the leveler and like kind of that immediate wave of fear yes. that kind of washes over everyone and how it just mm-hmm. totally takes the Jedi out? Like not until just now. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> like, and I know obviously it's not quite the same, but it's such sudden, palpable pain and fear and misery and nothing else. And like we see what that does to a Jedi, and it's not just the nameless that can do that. It's like any high level fear. So yes. yeah, no, I just I kept thinking about Ahsoka's reaction because it's so personal for both of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, just like what someone you love just you know out murdering people so not a good feeling i was gonna say what were you gonna say i'll save it for waffles after dark oh, <laughs> oh my god i'm just gonna go through this oh and make note of everything we need to bring up later <laughs> waffles after dark yes so when they so they have their duel Vader can we wait can we talk that yeah obi-wan and, runs away from him at one point yes he does Oh yes, a couple times. Yeah, like yeah, yeah he's in fight or in flight mode, lines. and he's like, "I choose flight." And but those two lines, that those are so heavy. When he said, "What have you become? I am what you made me." Oh Lord, it was yeah. the guilt trip. The guilt trip. Mm-hmm. It's like young, younger Vader is so very angry. Yes. I think by the time we get to him in A New Hope, he's like just gone cold, very machine about it, not to kind of call back to that. I mean, he's almost very mechanical about what he does, but this Vader is so raw and angry. And hot. Well. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I realize I'm a very broken person, but this dramatic, angsty Darth Vader chef's kiss hits perfectly i know Maggie and, and everyone back to tank i mean and, i like angsty vader more than uh mechanical vader so yeah well if you think about it he has been looking for obi-wan for 10 years it seems like this is his main mission mm-hmm. and we love a determined man we love a oh, man yes. with a cause yeah it shows stick-to-itiveness commitment Please um, subscribe to our Patreon if you would like to hear more. <laughs> you want to hear this go all the way? Yeah, because it's gonna get weird, y'all. Like I was like, okay, we're just gonna be like, we're super hot, right? Yeah. Oh yes. No, we can this get weird. is gonna get weird. Patreon.com/slash/thekeywaffle. I'm just saying, Anakin will never be hotter than he was on Mustafar. But I'm. Wow. You hear that sizzle? That's Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> hey, well, we can tell Obi-Wan was kind of burning. Yeah, Obi-Wan was pretty hot in this episode. Obi-Wan's too. pretty hot in this episode. Oh yeah. Got, okay, let's get dark again. Like let's yeah. Like Katrina and what, I talked that, about this a little bit. About that like how, was like Yeah. Oh go on, sorry. Oh, just like how Vader is like playing with him. Yeah. He's torturing him. He oh, wants yes. him to suffer. That sequence was like watching a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, listening like to him scream all the way through it and like watching him get dragged through like the nightmare that Vader had to live. Like, I woof, oh man, like Vader has never been scarier to me than he is in this episode. I hardly agree. 
also these yeah. shots that we're getting of Vader through the flames mm -hmm. is just such a powerful image of of the role reversal mm -hmm. from a decade ago. And it's it's you're right. It's it's very horror movie of this show and of Star Wars and I hate it and I love it. The I I don't know if anybody else noticed this. Um but when Obi-Wan is getting dragged through the coals, the way he is screaming, I thought the first time that they were using Anakin's audio from Revenge of the Sith because it is so similar. Yeah. And I think it's done intentionally. It must be done intentionally. But the just the the pain and the total like blind to anything except how much pain he's in screaming that he's doing was both very horrifying and very heartbreaking because of how clearly it called back to Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if anybody else had that impression or am I just hearing things? Well, I just no. listened to it as you were talking about it and I was like, yum, yum, okay, yum. yum. Well, another thing that I noticed from the Vader side of things is that uh, I think this series has done something greater that in the original trilogy, you cannot see the reflection on Vader's face on the mask when he's fighting. So you don't see the reflection of the other, of their lightsabers, and you can see it here. Oh, it's beautiful. It's yes. beautiful oh, with yeah. the Shot lightsabers. Well. With the lighting, with mm -hmm. like, it's completely yeah. dark, but you just see the light of the light lightsabers. Very sequel trilogy. I love it. The I aesthetic. Know. Yeah, something that not even in special editions and such was fixed. And now we have it like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's Obi-Wan just trying to survive. And not even, maybe not even survive. Maybe just by Leia time. Can you imagine like how terrified he is right now? Yeah, I don't think he thinks that... he's making it out. Yeah. 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 Just like Kanan and Deepa didn't think they were making it out when they said, I'm and right behind you. They just... were ju just buying time to save the kid. What... Yeah. And, and also, Bring him back, sorry to interrupt, but bring him back who was the one who saved the mo the day was Stella because mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. shot. Sarah, were you going to say something before? Um, I was just going to say, I know that some people have complained about how bright the lightsabers are. Uh, and some people are like, oh, it's like a lot like a fan film. And I'm like, okay, and? Um, and, yeah. And but right. I think what's so interesting about how bright the sabers are in this series and just how the how much they stand out in the dark is like in every new iteration of the Star War over time, like the lightsaber technology, how bright they are, like how you know even and they look super different in animation, especially in Rebels, they're like super thin. I and I think this is like a. a bit of a silly criticism because it, they've changed over time and they've been dynamic and different, but we all recognize them as the same thing over time. Mm -hmm. And so for this show and for the tone that it's setting and for the two people we're focused on who we know are going to have this battle, the, the who are, you know, we consider to be, especially after Revenge of the Sith, the lightest of the light and the darkest of the dark, uh, you know, knowing what they've gone through, it makes sense to me that they're this bright. And I, for one, am a big fan. So I know that's a total derailment from everything else we've been talking about, but no, that's it, a really too. good point. <laughs> so anything else we want to say about this fight? Uh, well, just uh, going back a little bit when they arrived to Mapuso, I think we didn't mention the, the 
The Anakin vision. Yeah, the Anakin vision. The Anakin vision. We just blew right past that. Oh my so, god. Yeah. Listen, we were having a lot of feelings all over the place. So right. So we see Anakin, like we see a, a vision of like Jedi Anakin in his robes. He is it's very much like, on it's more like Vader, like with the, the angry yeah. boy face. Right. Vader right. before yeah. he got burnt. <laughs> a little sad boy. Emo boy. Um but it's like he is very much on Obi-Wan's mind as like who he used to be versus as Vader says what he made him. So yes, yeah, let's it, let's talk about this moment. It kind of reminded me of the that scene where Ahsoka goes with Kanan and Ezra to the Lothal temple and she's having this this vision of Anakin and first she sees Anakin and she, he's like have you seen what I've become? And then the image morphs into Vader. Kind of reminded me of that when she's fine. She's looking for confirmation that actually Anakin is Vader. That, that was, and I think he also blames her. He's like, "You left yeah. me," or something. You like left that. me. So yes. It's both Ahsoka and Obi Wan dealing with a lot of guilt. Yes. I'm just. I'm thinking like Obi Wan right now. Such a paranoid state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Cam, again, can't blame him. Not only, I just keep thinking of like what he's thinking. Like he has Leia with him and like his whole existence for the past 10 years is keeping at least Luke safe, one of the children safe. Now he's with one of the children and Vader might be on the same planet. Yeah. Um, My question for everybody is like a force projection, force time, hallucination. Where do you land? Hallucination. Hallucination, yeah. I think, yeah. like, I, I don't think it would occur to Anakin to project himself that way. I don't think he's incapable of it, but I don't think it would occur to him. But I think it's like a like a manifestation of, like, where Obi-Wan's mind is at. Mm. Also, mm-hmm. just, like, yeah. when you lose someone, sometimes, at least in other people's faces, you might see them. Granted, no one was there, <laughs> you know, so it's a little different. Oh, Although, now having said that, whether or not, like, let's say it did occur to Vader, that is such a Luke Skywalker thing when he force projects in that I'm not force projecting myself as I am, but like the last thing you saw. So now Wait, having I like said that. that hmm. I, I don't think it's like in Vader's intent. But I do think if that's what it was and him kind of being like, I'm here, I'm watching you, like I'm coming for you. I think it's it's a very interesting choice for him to project himself as young Anakin to really kind of get in in Obi-Wan's head the same way Luke tried to do to Ben. Not try to, very much succeeded in doing to Ben. Well, so. you think about like what George did about like how he changed the force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi to Hayden. Right, that's which is like a choice his, I love. His so manifestation, much. so much. Like that's who yeah. Vader thinks he is. Like he's mm-hmm. like that's yeah. me. You know, that's what I look mm-hmm. like. Anakin is a drama queen. Oh yeah, Anakin Vader. is a drama queen. Yeah, he is. It's it's canon. Sith lords are drama queens. Have drama queens. Have we yeah. met Maul? Right, Maul. Very true. Basically, if parts of your body are cut off, you are legally obligated in the Star Wars canon to become the most dramatic of the most dramatic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't explain Kylo Ren. 
Um, <laughs> he's missing a toe. We just don't he know was, it. We don't know. He was cut off from the light. There we go. There you go. There we go. Like that. I like he's he's not missing a physical body part. He's missing his family. Yeah. Cinnamon so roll boy. That's what it is. Okay. We have not talked about the Inquisitors at all. So I feel like we should. Um, they are not super in this episode. It's mostly it's Reba. mostly Reva um, mm -hmm. following yeah. Vader around. But because we've already spoiled episode five um, somewhat, I will just say that watching her scene again when um, he's the third brother. Fifth brother. Fifth brother, thank well, you. Yeah, He's brother. the third she, sister. Third sister, fifth right? Brother. Yes, fifth brother says that you know someday you'll get what you deserve, and she's like, I certainly hope so. Like I knew watching this the first time that it, she wasn't talking about you know sitting in the Grand Inquisitor's chair, but in retrospect, now having seen Episode Five, the line hits a lot different. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, the fact that like all the Inquisitors are scared of Vader, like they're mm -hmm. like. Oh, the yeah. way they look. It's very subtle. And I really appreciate the actors, especially like Sung Hee, who has like all that makeup on his face. You know, you can yeah. still see Russian. So is there all like, mm, mm. he's a little crazy. <laughs> I'm just here to shout out um, the fifth brother's voice. It is so chilling. Um, yes. And I mm -hmm. think when I was watching episodes one and two, like, you know, at midnight in the hotel room, uh, crying sobbing loudly uh i didn't really catch the couple of times he kind of yelled and then this was the first episode where i really like caught his voice and i was like oh it's, it's great chilling. yeah it's really good i know it's, it's um, really good so i i know we get i go and, i know we get very little of them but their kind of interaction uh with between the fifth brother and the third sister is like i just love the way that they interact and the way that they are they're fighting each other and they're fighting themselves and they're fighting Vader. The interesting thing I think about their dynamic is they, they think they're fighting each other, but they're not fighting the same fight. Like the fight yeah. that the, that the third brother thinks third brother, fifth brother thinks they're having is mm -hmm. not the fight that like Reva's having. Cause he thinks it's all about, you know, I'm going to sit in that chair one day and Reva's like, okay, fine let's yeah. let me tell you that that's the fight we're having because if i tip my hand you'll know that's not why i'm here so i do think that adds like a really interesting extra layer to to how they interact with each other also i just have to say here that we mentioned the fifth brother i like how well sun kang my previous uh experience seeing him on screen was fast and furious as yes, fast and furious Yes, we're, we're totally the opposite. Like, he's a totally chill-down guy, so here... With Absolute cinnamon roll. Yes, cinnamon roll, yes. Han is such a cinnamon roll. I just want to say, like, seeing the Inquisitors just, like, bigger among themselves just reminds you of, like, why the Empire failed. Because yeah. they're just fighting amongst each other all the time, and if they just worked together, they could have been unstoppable, but... I just want to say it's it all comes from the top. It's all about that leadership, uh, and it's it's clear that the Emperor and Vader are not uh, great leaders for the team morale. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think Vader is more like if they fight amongst themselves, they won't fight me. I can go about my business. In the meantime, they're all going to help me do my thing, and I think that works out very nicely for him because he doesn't care what they do. Oh, 
as long as they're afraid of him. Hmm? Time to talk about Obi-Wan's mental state because I don't think it's good right now. It's not good. I want to talk about his mental state and also his trust issues and the arc that his trust issues experience in this episode. Because I So Leia's like, let's get help from someone, right? And he's like, nobody's coming. People lie. People suck. But by the time he gets to Tala, to the path, when he just immediately like hands Leia over to her and says, just get her out of here. We see him going from people aren't good, people lie, people can't be trusted to... She's a good person. She's not lying. I trust her in half an hour. I have to say I had a lot of feelings back that at at that point when he said that, like, ah, nobody's coming and uh, his trust issues telling that to Leia because ah, suddenly I thought of The Last Jedi, Battle of Crate when she sends the signal, nobody comes. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, had had my lot of feels at that point. I think it helps his trust is that he sees like his friend Quinlan Boss was there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, seeing other Jedi's make the stop and put something on the wall. But yeah. also I think Leia may be rubbing off on him a little bit. Like, you know, we gotta trust someone. Someone yeah. could be your friend. But I think also like we were talking about how he it's like him coming back to the light with the force and things like that. Uh, seeing Tala risk her life inspires him. Seeing mm-hmm. that Quinlan Boss survived and other Force-sensitive people, maybe other Jedi are out there, just adds to you know him getting that hope that we see in A New Hope. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, granted, right at the end of this episode, he is like a burning mess. <laughs> but before that, <laughs> you know. Before he catches fire. Yeah. Okay. So his mental state at the end of this episode, where is he at going into episode four? Well, he's burning, but other than on that, fire, he's on uh, fire. He's the hottest he's ever been. He's hot. This, this is the episode that is the catalyst for change. Um, this is where we see Obi-Wan struggling at his lowest to be again, the Jedi he needs to be and getting that very, very, um, fiery push forward uh and you know having a burn alive to do it um but you know what i'm proud of him at least no no more women had to die to advance his story in this episode so it was just, yeah. he's the one who took for now beans, you guys for now for now. for now i my one thing is you know he's this is like you know the the low point in the story he has just faced his old apprentice and realized that he is in fact like every bit the monster he feared he would become all of that but if this were like a story that was ending at episode six i'd be like okay the next four three episodes he would kind of it would be the upswing and back to hope but we know by the time we get to luke in the original trilogy that obi-wan's conclusion is vader's too far gone you have to kill him so I feel like this is the beginning of that realization. But I think he's he's like he's always kind of been at that point because he thought he'd killed Vader. But I feel like I don't think he's going to bounce back from this. I only think it's going to get worse. But we do get that line where Vader says Obi-Wan wants thought like you. And I don't think we got that feeling in Revenge of the Sith that Obi-Wan was like, hey, come back. You don't think that's what Mustafar was? Yeah, that I always thought that was Mustafar. 
I don't know if it was like enough because like he had just seen him kill kids and he's like, well, you're lost then. Just like, you know, shrug it off. Especially after he just saw him choke Padme. I mean, I think like- he's, I don't think he thought he was fully gone. I still think that he was probably living in a state of delusion that there was still something of him left. But I, I think at that point, Obi-Wan wasn't completely lost of hope. Like he still had hope. Mm-hmm. I, or he might just be like, okay, my main focus are these children right now. Turning Anakin, turning Vader is like this so far. Like the prophecy is about Luke. You know, I'm done. I, do I think, think it, he's definitely there by the time they start fighting. But I think before he says, I'll do what I must and pulls his lightsaber out, I think there's that like sliver of like, He's going to flip. He's going to flip. He's going to flip. And then Anakin's just like, nope, I'm going to keep digging this hole. And Obi-Wan's like, okay, fine. And then takes out his lightsaber. But is that enough for Vader? Well, it might not matter, but Vader to notice. Are they going to talk during their fight in episode six? Like, that's, I think that's the question that, Mm -hmm. Candace, you're asking a little bit. It's like, have we gotten, have we gotten the breaking point yet? Right. I think we're going to get it. Are they going to talk about it? Are they going to talk about while they're fighting? <laughs> I because, think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, because even though he is like at this very dark point and getting burnt by his brother slash son slash best friend kind of thing, he still just found out that the person he loves the most in the world, the galaxy, is alive. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a thing that we have to remember. It's just been days, and he just found out that Anakin is alive. Less, okay. it's been hours at most. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he knows about Quinlan Voss turning back. You know, he knows the story about him and Ventress. Mm-hmm. Knows. I will bring up, I mean, I haven't talked about that. I said the B word. There we go. Like, Katrina just returned. Was, was the, the ongoing advocate for not arresting Ventress, basically. Like, in her, she, like, this is the thing that, like, especially if you list, if you read uh, Brotherhood by Mike Chen, which we keep calling out, like, Obi-Wan repeatedly saw not just like himself, but Anakin in Ventress. And like mm-hmm. that, that, oh, if Anakin had made this decision, oh, if I had reacted this way to Qui-Gon, like that mm-hmm. could be me. And so that is why he continuously believed in her. So he is not against having that belief in someone and giving like if Anakin, if Vader gives him even a little bit, he's going to get Obi-Wan in that trap because that's, that's Obi-Wan's like, steadfast belief like that's what he is at his truest core and that's what makes him such a good jedi because he always believes someone can come back and i think vader knows that Mm -hmm. and i would love to see him use that against him because i mean who knows obi-wan better than obi-wan himself anakin Mm -hmm. and to play into that good natured kind-hearted like belief in people be beautiful beautiful agony Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the reasons that he doesn't – he wants Luke just to kill him is because, one, he loves Luke. He also loves Leia. But, like, he doesn't want either of them to be sacrificed for the chance of Anakin coming back. But also because he already tried. And he's like, if I couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. yeah. If he couldn't do it, if Padme couldn't do it. Yeah. If- yeah, I think sort of like to go back to what Sarah was saying. Like, are they going to have a talk? 
I don't think they're gonna like hash out their feelings. <laughs> they're not gonna like sit down I, at I a campfire like, well, and be like, so no, yeah. good time. But well, I do think oh go on. I I think Anakin is gonna use like Vader's gonna use that that knowledge of Obi-Wan is like if I give him an inch, he'll take a mile kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Make him think he's just on this side of like coming back to the light and use that against him in the fight. And that is, in my opinion, going to be the switch where Obi-Wan's like, I don't know who's in there, but it's not Anakin. Like, yes. I think that like the, that fight or rematch showdown, whatever of the century that we're getting, that's going to be the moment where Obi-Wan's like, that's it. Yeah. He's yeah, like this is this him dragging him through fires, like the start of being like, yeah. oh, I That's don't know like about this guy. It, it's like a, it's like a, like a wake up call because him going, oh my god, Anakin's alive. Like he's remembering what Anakin did, but part of him is like, my brother is still is still alive. Yeah, and then he drags him through coals. He's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. Poor Obi Wan. I know. He just wants to love people. <laughs> just want to give him a hug, and yeah, everything's gonna be alright. And some of you want to do more, and you will hear that at the Geeky Waffle Waffles After Dark. Oh my god! I think we spent most of this episode talking about what we're going to talk about on After Dark. Not true, but feels like it. Do we have anything else we want to add? about where Obi-Wan's at, what we think. Granted, the only episode we can speculate about now is the final one. The last chance to speculate on this series because by the time we do episode four, we will have seen the whole thing. So We will cry. I will oh, bet money on that. Yeah, I feel that one. I I think, I mean, as you were just saying, uh, Arzu, it's, we spent a lot of time in episode five watching um, – are understanding how Obi-Wan strategizes with Anakin and and you were just saying about that where his where Obi-Wan's weaknesses are I think episode 6 can really be um understanding how Anakin strategizes with Obi-Wan now that now that time has passed now that the roles have flipped a little bit um so it's going to hurt yeah, I expect it to. I have no idea how it's going to end. You know, like how we ha- we know where all these characters are going. Um, so I'll be really curious to see how this part of the story ends. Yeah. As a- yes. Oh, go ahead. No, and especially thinking what's coming ahead. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this next episode to get to the point where Obi-Wan is at in Rebel Season 3 and in A New Hope. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Remember, we see him before A New Hope, and he's just this chill old man in the desert. He's, you know, ready to take a guy out. You know. So, anybody have anything to add before I do one last bit of irresponsible speculation? I just want to see how uh, the moment when they, uh, he finally, like, how Owen allows or or Mberu allows the toy to be given to Luke. That's all, that's what I'm thinking right now. But that'll be cute. Be yeah. No, yeah, it would be cute. Anybody else? All right, last bit of irresponsible speculation, and it's a short one. So we know that they are screening the finale here in Canada on the big screen. We know that the posted runtime is an hour and 30 minutes. 
do we think that's how long the episode is or do we think that's including the q a that's supposed to happen that's going to happen it, it is including the q a damn it five minutes of q a no, no, i'm joking how long do Two you minutes. think the finale is going to be an hour i think it's gonna be an hour at least an hour. i think it's an hour yeah it's an hour hour 10 that's what i'm gonna go for you know we we have to get leia back we, we also know there's gonna be something about tatooine and luke there right and we still haven't seen baru i mean and bonnie's been like she'll she'll be in the finale yeah just so thinking, that's what I'm like there's a lot that still needs to be woman. done you know okay just yeah. thinking that if the it holds true what we've been seeing that each part has been mirroring an episode yeah mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting to see what we see from return of the jedi we might see a certain force ghost quite not yeah yeah, I think I think Qui Gon's gonna be a final episode thing. Like I, I, I mean, they may take us out. Who knows? But I think I it's think gonna, we're at least getting a voice. Yeah. yeah, it was we like just... the very first thing the show set up, and this show broadly has been doing a very good job of setup and payoff. And if mm-hmm. they don't pay this off, I think that's gonna I'm gonna be like, what is going through your heads? Yeah, they <laughs> the haven't been leaving any loose threads. It really the storytelling. Some of the best Star Wars TV. The only way I will accept them not paying off Qui Gon is if the end credits end with Obi Wan return for season two. That exactly yeah. part two. I what happened I to was... that whole Ewan line where he was like, "And episodes six and seven and eight and nine and ten. I'm, I'm like, still okay. haunted by that. Me too. Me He's too. now like campaigning. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if I say it doesn't happen, people will be mad. So they have to make it happen. Yeah, give me another one of this. We are so lucky he loves his character as much as we do. I know. We are so lucky. I do wonder, like, how much there is in the fact that there has been such a positive response outside of the racist bigots who are being very loud and obnoxious online. Like, there has been a really overwhelmingly positive response. And you see it in the interviews with with Hayden and Ewan. Like, they're very happy to return to these characters and to have been welcomed back with open arms. And, like, you see that in, like, everything they talk about. So it does make me wonder if there is that potential for a season two to explore more of this period in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope because they feel comfortable to be in those roles again. And they feel like they're not going to be, you know, hunted down and hated for this. There's so many people I know who don't even watch The Mandalorian who watch this and are just like casual Star Wars fans because of Obi-Wan. Because they're prequel kids, you know. Or like my father, who's just a Star Wars fan who like knows who Baby Yoda is, but didn't really feel like watching The Mandalorian, even though he's a big Pedro Pascal fan. But like he watches this. The the day, like just anecdotally, the day after this came out, I no not like a couple days after the first couple two episodes. You were in California. (laughs) I was in California. I went to like the post office and CVS, and that was it. And I had an Obi Wan shirt on, and I got stopped by three strangers who went, "Oh my god, are you watching Obi Wan?" That has never happened with any other Star Wars media. And I like most of my clothing is Star Wars shirts, and that's never happened before. And these were like like the cashier at CVS, some dad dropping something off at the post office, like random people stopping me going oh my god are you watching obi-wan so i'm just saying it's yeah like I mean, obviously the, 
obviously the Mandalorian was like a huge success for the series for the franchise and like tons and millions of people watch it but it does like involve not being like not there's no there's familiar characters now like we've got Luke we've got these familiar characters but at the start it was like a brand new thing and that's always so much harder to get people who are casual viewers invested in in the long term whereas something like Kenobi which not only plays on nostalgia but you're also getting to see the origin story of characters that you probably also grew up with like luke and leia like there's just a lot of that um like familiarity yeah, it's easier and like to, it's comfortable it's comfort it's, it's easier it to watch good. like people like in the mandalorian uh, watch the mandalorian people uh, uh, co-workers knew i'm the nerd so i had explained to them when in the timeline it is because they mm-hmm. don't they have no idea they're like should i watch do I have to watch this before that kind of thing? But like with this, it's very clearly between these two major things that everybody has seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very accessible. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, accessible. that's the word I was looking for too. Yeah, I'm I like, know. I like, around. I'm like, there's this word. <laughs> it's easy. It's okay. It's, it's friendly. It's comfortable. Yes, accessible. I also yes. think there is like a little bit of uh, something going on there. It's like. I think was it Candace, your dad, who was like, he's a fan of Pedro Pascal, but he's not watching The Mandalorian. Yeah. There's some there there is maybe a small thing to be said about the fact that you can see Ewan's face in the trailer yeah. and recognize that person yeah. and identify that with them with that character. I think that's perhaps harder to do with like Pedro and Mando, um, yeah. despite it being his voice throughout. Uh there's there's some I'm I'm somebody that's like, I really need my characters to cry in order for me to like connect with them emotionally. So when I could see their face and their eyebrows, like it's very helpful for me as a viewer who really is an emotional person. And not to mention like Star Trek on a Star Wars podcast, but like I'm seeing the same thing happening currently with Strange New Worlds. Like um, Discovery is amazing. People love it. It's a huge success, but it's all new characters. Like yeah. with, with the exception of season two, which, you know, introduces Spock and, and number one and Pike and those characters. But Strange New Worlds is very familiar. And you have all of these characters that you know from the original series. And I've seen a lot of people who were largely checked out of Star Trek because they they didn't get on board with the discovery right when it started. They kind of felt left behind. But these are familiar characters. These connect to stories that they grew up with and they're already familiar with. And it it helps in a lot of ways. And then you can use those stories as launch points for exploring other things. Like I would love to see Star Wars explore more with Quinlan Voss. Like that's a character that like obviously diehard fans are like really familiar with. But like if there is a season two and like Obi-Wan runs into him somewhere, like it, there's a lot that can be told with connecting to familiar stories. And to Sarah's point, like there's a lot to be said about actually seeing character spaces. Like I think with Boba Fett, like obviously you have that built-in nostalgia that people still tuned into that because that is a familiar character. And then he wasn't wearing his helmet. So it helped with that human connection that people are looking for in characters and in stories and that people just people don't want to work for their entertainment they they want what's already built into their personal knowledge and a lot of people don't have time like we do to be as big of fans of things as we are and to consume all of this outside material that helps to improve our experiences well look look at what happened with with the people on this show i feel like most of us didn't really like boba fett until he wasn't wearing a helmet like mm-hmm. he was an adult man without the helmet and yeah. then suddenly suddenly we got suddenly we're like oh hello you have a face and you look like these other characters that are also nostalgia for us and like Mm -hmm. that helped not just that he got lines too 
he got yeah. lines. He's like, he's talking about his father and what it meant to him. And we can see him Which, saying all that. Also, for those of us who are prequel era children, like that's a built in emotional tug yeah. as well. Like, yeah, that's also to Tamara Morrison, like we know him from the prequels mm-hmm. too. Who is booked and busy, might I say. So happy. It, good. Good. Deserve. Yeah. Happy for him. Also, well, I've seen like yeah. two casting notices that he's gotten cast in. So, like, booked and busy. Love that it's for About him. damn time. That man is a treasure. So, on that very happy note, I'm glad we're not ending on a sad one. Do we have anything else? I love, I love the like, trajectory of this episode. Like, we veered off into, like, Ben Solo, like, vaguely horny. We ended off in, like, a very philosophical conversation about, like, the, the beauty of actually connecting to your television. And Martian Rowe. Listen, and, like, we had Martian Rowe. We had Ben Solo. We had Ventress. We had Rebels. Did everybody's faves come up? Did anybody want to bring their faves up? We and we did mention Alphabet Squadron, so we're we good. Yeah, Wait, one and then little we talked thing about Star Trek <laughs> that only I think Hot I noticed Pike. is Sabine Wren's um, fake name that she uses in the Imperial Academy and also other places is Rhea Tala. So <gasps> Tala, oh, nice. I'll connect it. She has a very similar arc to Tala. There so. we go. So another Sabine connection. On that note, <laughs> I am going to bring this to a close. So starting with Candace, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Candace is a geek and all the waffle things. Maggie. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the town. And I have a link tree in my bio to all my various pursuits. Norhal. Uh, you can all find me on Twitter at Norhal also in my link tree on my bio and also on Instagram at Norhal music. Sarah. You can find me on Twitter at SEH221, Instagram at Sarah's Puzzle Pages, and on Friends of the Force all the time at Friends of Force on Twitter. And Katrina. You can find me anywhere if you look for Oh Katrina, that's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A. You can also check out my show here on the Geeky Waffle Network called A Fight Club Far, Far Away. And also check out my other show, Pedro or Padro Pascal, uh, uh, podcast about pedro pascal um and yes thanks for having me as for me you can find me on twitter at arzu amin that's the easiest place to find everything i am doing um all that's in my bio um as a network we are on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are on facebook instagram tiktok and youtube at the geeky waffle and we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. If you want to hear the payoff for all of these Waffle After Dark jokes, that is where you go. And uh, I'm missing something. Thegeekywaffle.com. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we have all of our reviews, all of our podcasts, which uh, are largely Arzus, mostly by people on, on here. Um, yeah, ours is very insightful Obi-Wan Kenobi um, recaps and reviews. Highly recommend. But all of those are at thegeekywaffle.com. So, yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. If you think about it, Star Wars is always connected to our favorite glup shadows. And may the waffles be with you.